Friends, welcome to This Good Word. My name is Steve Weens, your host, as always, and I'm in Denver. Uh, I am here because I am attending the Evolving Faith Conference. Uh, Rachel Held Evans, Sarah Bessie, Jeff Chu, and some others uh, decided a couple years ago that a gathering needed to be started for spiritual wanderers, for pilgrims that have lost their faith, lost their tribe, but are longing to be in conversations about God again that are expansive, uh, that um, in which perhaps God can be found as um, holding all of us in our questions in the world that is rapidly changing. And so, uh, so I'm here, and I'm here as a person, first and foremost, to wrestle with my own thoughts, my own questions, my own doubts, my own wonderings about what's happening in the world of Christianity and in the world in general. I'm also here as a pastor. Um, My church that I am a pastor of is about five years old, and we're right in the middle of these conversations as well. And so um, I am here. And so what I wanted to do uh, for these next couple episodes is just reflect on what I'm learning. And what I wanted to do especially is not write down a bunch of stuff, not have a bunch of pre-prepared notes. I just thought, you know, every day of this conference, at least today, which is a Thursday, and then tomorrow, which is a Friday, I would just give you some of my reactions, some of the things that I'm thinking about as I, um, as I was sitting in the seats. And so today was a pre-conference gathering really for faith leaders who are trying to navigate major change in their own churches, um, whether it be LGBTQ inclusion or um, anything else like that. But how do we navigate that well? How do we keep our own souls intact? And how do we notice what's happening in culture? How do we notice what's happening in Christianity? And how do we take our questions really, really seriously? And so what I want to say, first of all, is... I think, uh, you know, there's about 120 people in the room today. There's going to be many more people in the room tomorrow. Tomorrow, the official conference starts, and there will be maybe 1,000 people. Um, But today, again, was really specifically aimed at faith leaders who are navigating major change in their congregations. And so I came into it. Let me just say this first. Uh, I came into the to today feeling uh, honestly pretty discouraged about, um, you know, just I've been a pastor for so long, and it feels like um, for some people change can't happen fast enough. For other people in my congregation and congregations that I talk to, change is really really scary and what i find especially is that it's really hard to get on the same page even about what we're talking about so if we're going to address things that are addressed in the bible like are we even looking at the bible through the same lens and if we aren't can we have productive good conversations are we seeing these issues whether it be lgbtq inclusion or systemic racism uh, white privilege, um, any immigration, uh, are, are we having conversations in which we remember our shared humanity or are we just trying to win arguments, right? And so I came into today, uh, just my cards face up on the table, 
um, at a pretty low spot. Um, I try really hard, I think, at um, navigating some of these issues by listening to people, by giving people um, space to really navigate. But I also found that I need that kind of space too. Like I need spaces where I'm not acting as the pastor. And so that's what today was for me. And so I'll say first and foremost, thank you to the leaders of Evolving Faith for having the wisdom to carve out a whole day for people like me, faith leaders, pastors, volunteers, clergy, who are wrestling with our own questions, but also doing the very tender and sometimes exquisitely excruciating dance of walking out our own, our own questions and emerging, evolving faith, even as the people in our congregations are doing so as well. And sometimes that can go really, really well. Other times that can grow, go really, really tough. So today, first and foremost, I want to say it was just a wonderful space where uh, I could gather with people uh, and hear from faith leaders who have gone where maybe I have not gone yet, share in vulnerable, honest ways about um, the journeys they've been on. Uh, And so, you guys, uh, so anyway, so point number one, I felt like it was a really, really sacred place for me to be in where I could receive uh, instead of being the person that sort of has to create the space where someone else can receive. And I know that's a little bit of a dualistic way of looking at it. I don't know how else to say that. I think hopefully you can understand. Um, So first of all, we heard from someone, an African-American pastor who talked a lot about the role that fear and anxiety plays in change, both in the pastor's heart and mind, but also in the people. And I thought he was just so um, refreshingly vulnerable about saying that, you know, there is no, there is really no room to say like, I'm not going to let fear in. I'm not going to let fear run the show. He was really like, you actually have to get very conversant with what it is that you fear and what your pain is. Like you need to learn how to talk to your fear, how to converse with it. And then he had this phrase where he said, um, it's important to let fear have a vote. It just can't have a veto. Very similar to the thoughts that I think many of us have heard from Elizabeth Gilbert when she says that, you know, fear can have a place in the car. It just can't drive. It just can't control the radio station. (laughs) Right. But that started me um, journaling. I, I had my notebook out and I was writing furiously, like, what am I afraid of? And what is my pain? What am I, how, how do I deal with pain as a pastor? Because folks, if you're not a pastor, you're listening to this. Um, pastors too, it's a very tricky thing that we try to do. Um, and especially in this day and age where we're navigating our own evolving faith while also trying to hold space for people to navigate their own evolving faith and to allow people to make healthy decisions sometimes, which is like maybe um, 
like in my own church, we've had people leave the church and I've had people talk to me about like, hey, I'm not leaving because I'm mad at you. I'm not leaving because we have some theological difference. I'm leaving because I need space from the church. And it's not your fault, um, but I just need to tell you, I, I can no longer be a part of it. The church, big C, with all the questions that I have. And I think on the one hand, I can really hear that and have heard that. And and I can bless and have, I think, bless some of those folks while also feeling like maybe a day later, two days later, like, oh my gosh, what, maybe it is something that I did wrong, right? I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to steer the ship in the right direction and provide enough space for people to feel comfortable um, questioning and doubting, but also... Uh, provide other people with enough uh, sense of like, no, we're okay. And frankly, that is a really big burden uh, to bear. And so I found it very, very um, healing to heal, to, to, to hear someone talk about fear and anxiety in a way that we don't, we don't conquer those things. We name them. We even maybe befriend them. This is what I'm afraid of. And he, he got so like clear and incisive as to like sort of say, like you need to actually write it down, like name it out loud. What are you afraid of? Like take, like if your church is declining in attendance, if it's um, facing a major change in policy around inclusion, if it's losing money, like yes, you feel this generalized anxiety and yes, you kind of want to give up. But play it out. Like, like, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid will happen if more people leave? If budget goes down even farther? Uh, and get honest about that fear. And so I want to say, if you're a faith leader listening to this podcast, and you're not at the Evolving Faith Conference, you didn't carve out space uh, to be here. I wish you could have, number one. But number two... What would it look like for you to give fear a voice and start to be conversant with your fear and also your pain? Because if you've been a pastor for any longer than, you know, five minutes, you've definitely hurt people, 100%. I have, certainly. But people have also hurt you. And people, when people leave, typically they don't, I mean, how would they know? They don't know how personally that that can be. Uh, when you've walked with them through significant life experiences, maybe you've married them, maybe you've counseled them through different things, and then they just leave. And, and I say just leave. I don't mean that in any kind of pejorative way. Certainly some people do. But even people that leave very thoughtfully, they, they tell you, they, they explain why. Um, and it's all really good. Sometimes people need to leave. It's okay. But it creates a kind of anxiety within the pastor that, and, and I think when you leave it in the realm of generalized anxiety um, and you don't really name what you're afraid will happen if this, whatever this is, keeps happening, then I think fear maybe gets a little too big. Um, it, it has a veto. And so, oh my gosh, this was so good. And then we heard from another person that really said um, how important it is to navigate change in your congregation in a way where, like, where it's, it's 
we're, we're humans having a conversation together and we're all discerning this thing together. You know, it doesn't work for a couple of leaders to sit around in a room and decide, hey, now we're going to be LGBTQIA inclusive, or we're going to start this big campaign on addressing white supremacy in our church, and we're just going to hammer it home. We're going to keep teaching on it. That's that's a very power up and authority down, hierarchical way of looking at things. And he, And this person had a way of really kind of explaining the process of walking through it together, walking through it patiently and slowly, creating safe places where um, even when you hurt each other, there can be spaces to come back and repair. Um, and, and I think he also really talked about, I don't talk specifically if you're a faith leader listening to this, if you're a clergy person, a pastor, he really talked about, you know, it's important to, you know, they're, they're always going to, no matter what change is coming in your congregation, maybe it's a change of location, um, maybe it's a change of staffing, maybe, change is just hard. And he said that, you, that there, there will always be people who are just closed off to change. These people, these people typically, you know, maybe it's, who knows why they're closed off to that change, but... Um, if they're the people that are typically going to take up a lot of brain space in your mind, right? And that's, this is just like, we're sort of drawn to the negative for some reason where we obsess over it. We either demonize them or maybe we, um, we, we work really hard at trying to change their mind or keeping them. And he was really like, actually, sure. Listen, I mean, listen, that's really important. But you aren't going to change someone's mind who is closed off. He um, Now, this is very different, very different from someone who has honest questions and need, who needs to grapple with the issues, who's, um, who's maybe struggling and really wants to talk. Not talking about that. What this person was talking about was the, was the person who is vindictive and vitriolic and sending you nasty emails. And they're just, they're, they're, they're out for a battle because they need to have a fight. Uh, they need to battle it out. And he really was very um, clear about saying these people, you, you have to work very hard to not give all the airtime to the people that are closed off. In fact, you need to find ways to bless them and say goodbye. And I found that very, very empowering. Um, again, I want to be so clear. I hope I'm being super, like overly clear. I am, this person was not talking about, and I am not talking about a leader just deciding that no, no one gets to speak into my decision. Anyone who disagrees is dumb. Not saying that. Um, but just saying there are a, there's a very small segment of the population that is going to leave and you're not going to change their mind and you need to come to peace with that sooner rather than later. There are a, there's a bigger group of people that are in a, a frame of mind where it's just unsettling and they need to think it through, talk it through, turn it over. And that's what requires patience. And that's what requires really listening and being willing to even have your own opinion change and morph over time. 
So this is so, 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 so good. And then we heard from a woman, and I, I need to say, like, maybe to my chagrin, um, but I've never, I don't think, now I have to, I have to really think about this. I, this is probably not totally true, but I've never been at a conference for church leaders that was Christian where I heard from uh, an openly gay Christian and they spoke passionately about Jesus, spoke passionately about how they think. And I got to listen to someone today, um, this gay woman uh, who is amazing. And she just talked about her journey and she talked about how she's learning uh, to embrace humility and learning to work on her anger. (laughs) And learning also to be really, really okay with who she is. For years and years, she prayed, prayed that God would just take this away from her. This being being gay. And finally, she came to a place theologically, relationally, emotionally, where she believed that, that it was okay, that God loved her exactly as she was. And just listening to her journey of that, listening to an actual person's actual story about how they navigated, someone who loves God, loves following Jesus, and even, and I say even, like not to be pejorative, but someone that loves the scriptures, how they wrestled with it, how they went back and forth on it, was really so helpful and so healing. And it was just absolutely amazing to hear her journey. Um, and then we heard from a trans woman. And this, I definitely will tell you that I've never sat under the teaching, to my knowledge, and maybe maybe I don't know, um, at a Christian conference uh, from someone who is trans. And to hear her story and her journey... Uh, and she was so well-read and so respectful and so um, so utterly wise about um, what it means to be trans and to grow up evangelical and to lose jobs because of it and to be very respected and then all of a sudden to lose all of that respect from a certain portion of the world and then have to have to sort of rebuild was so amazing. Um, I sat there and just thought, and one of the points that she made was, we change our minds through proximity and through narrative. We think we change our minds through rational argument and debate, but we're, our, our, we're actually not wired up that way. We're really wired up to change our minds through intuition through story, and through proximity. And so if there's something that you're wrestling with, struggling with, thinking through, if you're trying to figure out where you are with LGBTQIA inclusion in the church, um, like what, and maybe you've read the books and you've done the scripture studies and you still don't know, what would it look like to hear the story of someone who's gay, trans, bisexual, lesbian, uh, queer. I mean, 
and just not to defend, not to poke holes, just to listen and clarify and not even to figure out where you stand. Just to hear the story of another Christ follower who perhaps um, sees the world differently. I just think um, there's just so much power in that. And I think, um, oh gosh, so I feel so grateful uh, for for what I learned and, and what I heard today. I feel expanded. And one of the questions that someone asked um, was this, and that is, like, what if they said that, that, you know, in terms of coming to terms with who they were as gay, they, they said, what if, what if I'm wrong? Then what? And then they, they sort of explained their process of what, they sort of drilled that all the way down. What do we think God will do to them, with them, if they're wrong? And their conclusion was, well, if I'm wrong, then I, I really would change this behavior, and I really would, and I really would, and it was so amazing. But then, they, but the, but but their underlining factor was, I believe God's big embrace is big enough to help me recover from being wrong, and I don't think God expects me to get everything right in the first place. And I just thought that was such a graceful, beautiful way of looking at it. There was a clear, like, humility in that, but also a view of God that doesn't require me or you to be theologically correct on every single one of our important doctrines in order to be accepted or acceptable. And I don't know what kind of place you grew up in in terms of your own religious background. Maybe that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world. But if you grew up any, you know, like most people did in the evangelical world, there, there, there's some sad, and I say sad and I mean sad, like, like if we have to be correct on everything we believe or else we'll be punished in some way, um, I, I, that's just no way to live. I think that breeds fear. I think it breeds a kind of judgmentalism for people who end up disagreeing with you. I think it shuts down conversation. And I don't think it leads to understanding the mystery of God's love. Now, again, maybe you're listening. Maybe, maybe, um, you disagree that is so, so okay. Maybe you're saying, wait a minute, does that mean nothing matters? Great question. Wait a minute, does that mean that being right isn't ever important? Great question to wrestle with and to really like bring it down all the way to the ground, right? What I would say is like, just spend some time in that wrestling. And you may come to a totally different conclusion than the person that I listened to today did or that I have. And that is okay. That is so okay. But at least do the work. At least do the work. So over the next two days, I'll be sitting uh, in a much larger room listening to beautiful people like Sarah Bessie and Jeff Chu and Barbara Brown Taylor and Jennifer Knapp and many, many others. And... Um, I'm going to release a podcast 
tomorrow night after listening to tomorrow's sessions. And then I think I'm going to release the third of this Evolving Faith series on Monday. So I just need a little, I'll be flying home on Saturday, preaching on Sunday, blah, blah, blah. So Monday or Tuesday of next week, I I will release the third one. So you're going to get three podcasts of this kind of variety of just my own thoughts, my own reflections about what I'm experiencing. Um, The last thing I want to say is, I don't know where you're at, you know, as you hear this, maybe you're crying with gratitude, maybe you're angry, maybe you don't get it, maybe you wish you were there, maybe something I said doesn't make sense. And I want to say that that all belongs. Just take, pay attention to the things, okay, number one, that make you cry because you resonate with them so much. Pay attention to those things. Also pay attention to the things that make you really angry. Though Those two extremes are generally speaking, I think the areas where perhaps there's an invitation that that God, the divine, wants to um, gently help you work through. That's my conviction. So this was fun. Uh, this was fun. Uh, thanks for listening and um, tune in. Uh, to the next one. I'll call these the series Evolving Faith, part one, part two, and part three. And so uh, I, if, if, if you have questions, you know how to get a hold of me. The best place is Twitter, at Steve Weens. Um, and uh, we'll go back and forth there. Okay, everybody, grace and peace. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to This Good Word. If you love this podcast, there's three ways that you can support my work. One is by jumping on Patreon, patreon.com slash thisgoodword. You can become a patron at various levels and get lots of good free stuff, including free tickets to any live events that I do, signed books, and other stuff. The second way is to share your favorite episodes via Twitter and Facebook, uh, email, however it is that you share content. Let some friends know that you love it. And then third is to go on iTunes and leave a rating or a review. So thanks so much, my friends. We are dust and breath. We are limited and limitless. We are human and holy, and we are in it together.